from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Monica Crowley, former assistant treasury secretary and sponsor of the Monica Crowley podcast. Not author, sponsor. Although I don't know what's... Host! Host, Larry. Oh, host. host. All right, host. Something, host. Okay, I got it all. Now, in the same week, this is incredible, in the same week, Roger Stone and Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, are predicting that the Democratic nominee for president is going to be Michelle Obama. Same week. Stone, Cruz, Michelle Obama. I begin with you, Monica Crowley. What do you make of this forecast? Two heavyweights, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you, Larry, and it's great to be on with you and Liz again. I will tell you that in March of 2021 at CPAC, I predicted this in front of a crowd of thousands of people from the main (laughs) stage. I was the very first person to publicly say that we need to consider the possibility that the Democrats were going to find at some point Joe Biden has outlived his usefulness to the left's power brokers, that they were going to move him off stage move his vice president off stage since she is the most unpopular vice president in American history, or at least recent history, and that the way they could solve their problem of getting the Obamas a fourth and a fifth term, because right now we're living through Obama's third term, they want a fourth and a fifth, but the most effective way to do that is actually to draft Michelle Obama. And I remember at the time, Larry, the entire um, the entire room, the ballroom of thousands of people fell silent when I talked out to Michelle Obama. And I said, please do not shoot the messenger. It does us no good to live in fantasy land or wishful thinking that they may not run her because she will be the biggest challenge to President Trump, assuming he is the nominee, um, and to the Republican Party because she is a woman. She is a woman of color. She has her husband. She has the entire Obama machine and the Democratic Party behind her. She is iconic and she is immune to criticism, (laughs) which makes her a very formidable force to run against. And I just want to say one final thing. My friend Joel Gilbert, about a year and a half ago, actually put out a documentary on Michelle Obama. So he was really the very first one to throw this idea out there. And I recommend that documentary to everybody. It's called Michelle Obama 2024. Go and check that out as well. But if the Democrats turn to her and they run her, this is going to be very difficult for President Trump and the Republicans to run again. What I took away from that is I wish I were immune from all criticism. That's what I took away from <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> all right, Liz Peake, you're on. Go ahead, Michelle Obama. By the way, Roger Stone just about 20 minutes ago or half hour ago or whatever predicted uh, Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom. That was his ticket. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have talked about this for some time, and it does make sense, particularly if Joe Biden is 
somehow removed from the scene late in the game. I mean, uh, it's all well to talk about Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer, but they got to get going. I mean, if they don't have a robust primary season, all of a sudden we're going to be looking at a Democratic Party that really has no choice but to run Joe Biden and Kamala Harris again, and they don't want to do that. So, yeah, Michelle Obama is the obvious choice in that she comes fully equipped with Obama's fundraising apparatus, obviously total name recognition, and frequently voted um, the most popular woman in America. So Monica's (laughs) right. She's a formidable candidate. I think the longer she's the candidate, uh, the less uh, a slam dunk it is, because she does have a tendency to say things that are alienating to a lot of Americans, like she's not proud of our country and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So really the ideal situation is Joe sort of bumbles through campaign season, possibly almost to the cusp of the convention, and then has a health episode, quote-unquote, or whatever, removes himself, and Michelle Obama is proclaimed uh, at the convention, the candidate, because then Americans really won't get much of a look of what she really is like on the stump, and and we don't know that. We've never seen her campaign. So I think it's possible, it's likely, it's very good for Democrats. Why she would do it is beyond me. She always made it clear she didn't like living in Washington. She didn't like occupying the White House. Uh, and she's worth tens of millions of dollars. So, you know, other than a, just a lust for power, which obviously infects a great many politicians and families, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know why she'd do it. Yeah, lust for power. That'll do it every time. They do have a nice house in Washington. They kept the house. Yep, fact, there's that. They, they live right next to... Can um, I make one other point on this, Larry? Mm-hmm. Can I make one other point? So, look, if they decide to move Joe Biden from the scene and off the stage, they have the secondary problem, which is Kamala Harris, which I mentioned. They can't run her or they will lose, and they know that. But they've got a big problem there because Kamala Harris is a woman of color, and the most devoted, passionate constituency for the Democrats is black women. So they don't want to alienate that core voting block. And really, the only potential candidate that can square that circle is Michelle Obama. Now, Liz is right that the calendar is moving very fast. We only have 13 more months until the presidential election. So, yeah, these other candidates have to move fast. But it's also true, as Liz points out, that the Obama machine has the entire infrastructure ready to go. Mm. Fundraising, personnel. Susan Rice left the White House. She is back with the Obamas. She could run that campaign. All they have to do is throw a switch. And what they might do, even though it's exceedingly difficult, I can see, but what they could do is literally wait until the convention, which happens for the Democrats next August, and then they draft her, and she poses as a reluctant candidate who really (laughs) doesn't want to do it but will do it for her country. That's how she stays out of the primary. She doesn't have to take any kind of hard positions and alienate people and get beaten up as a candidate. She will literally have like two, two and a half months of campaigning, and that's it. So literally, that could be the worst case scenario. And when I spoke to President Trump for my podcast like two months ago, I said, are you ready for this possibility, Mr. President? Because if you're not, you better be. What did he say? What did he say? 
Well, he, he sort of paused and he said, we are ready for all contingencies. And I hope that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Liz, I was reading your uh, article in The Hill. You're ready. Why doesn't Joe Biden reset? He's not going to reset. He's yeah. a lefty and he's surrounded by lefties. He's a sheep in sheep's clothing. He's a socialist in socialist clothing. Bernie Sanders, you're the one who said the the compact between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. But the Ob- are the Obamas the same? Are they as socialist as as uh, Biden's going to be? Well, that's a good question. I mean, clearly, uh, I, I think Joe Biden has surprised a lot of people by moving as far left as he has. Certainly on climate, that's pretty obvious. Will Michelle Obama be equally uh, in the enthralled to the climate lobby? I kind of doubt it. I mean, I feel I, I thought Obama was a terrible president. He certainly is left leaning. But I think they're a little more pragmatic than Joe yeah. Biden. Yeah. The reason yeah. I wrote this, Larry, is, you know, there's a lot of chatter about whether Joe Biden's actually running. He took forever to build a campaign apparatus. He hasn't really been out on the stump much. There's been some criticism in Democrat circles about this very sluggish campaign. But I think the most glaring omission uh, is that he hasn't done the pivot. I mean, he hasn't done what a lot of politicians do as they approach reelection, which is to kind of backtrack on some of the things that are most unpopular. And what is most unpopular? Rising gasoline prices, which voters trace back to Joe Biden's fossil uh, war on fossil fuels. And they're right. Also, they can trace it back to his animosity towards Mohammed bin Salman. But that's probably a little, you know, one step down. The answer is people are mad about that. They think he should, you know, encourage U.S. oil and gas production rather than looking at that, looking for that in Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. And they're right. So it'd be pretty easy, I think, for Joe Biden to make that step. Uh, And, yeah, sure, he's going to alienate some environmentalists, but they're not going to vote Republican. So what does he really lose uh, and then obviously the border right now, the border is crushing him. It is so chaotic. Mm-hmm. There isn't an American now that looks at what's going on uh, in terms of illegal immigration and isn't horrified. So, again, did he make a little faint in that direction last week with this uh, uh, approving of work permits, accelerating work permits for Venezuelans? Not really, because that really just encourages more people to come into the country illegally. So I just find it so peculiar and honestly just so stupid politically not to at least pretend that you care about these two issues because that's what's really sinking him mainly in the polls. You know, um, if you go back, Barack Obama kept most of the George W. Bush tax cuts. Barack Obama deported a lot of illegal immigrants and Barack Obama was not a radical on climate change. He was not. He permit, particularly, you know, Illinois is an oil and gas state, particularly natural gas. I mean, you can make a case that Obama, Michelle Obama, I mean, I'm just assuming she adopts her husband's policies. I don't know what she thinks about anything. But my point is, there's a mod, there's your reset right yeah. there. It's not going to come from Joe. It could come from the Obamas. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I think, again, they're more pragmatic. I don't know that. I, I mean, who knew that Joe Biden had this <laughs> hidden sort of ideological star, North Star of <laughs> leftism? I mean, no one, he didn't, he kept uh, denying that 
during the campaign. And I do think it's this alliance with Bernie Sanders and the recognition he needs mm-hmm. those Sanders voters uh, that has kept him in that lane. All right, quick break. I, I would just can, can I just uh, make a point? I would yeah. just d- yeah. disagree with this a little bit here because I think I, I think the country is in a far different place than it was in 2008 when Obama uh, was running for president, and that the Obamas as well as the far left moved the country during that period of time. Now we had the four years under President Trump where he threw a lot of that movement toward the far left into reverse. But now under Biden uh, and the left's power brokers, they've moved with all, with all deliberate speed to get us back at, way past where the Obamas were. So if Michelle Obama were to run and, God forbid, win, you know, the, she and, and the Obama team and the left and the Democrats and the progressives would, would be starting from a far more radical position so I don't think we can assume that what the Obamas did from 08 to 16 is any kind of guide of how they would govern into the future. We won't know what's in that bill until it's finally passed. That's the problem here. Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist Monica Crowley, Assistant Secretary of the Treasury and what host of the Monica Crowley podcast. God, I got to get that right. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking money and politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, Monica Crowley, former assistant secretary of the Treasury and host of the Monica Crowley podcast. Um, Kids, can we review, take a look at the Republican debate on Wednesday at the Ronald Reagan Library? I actually had to look up who was going to be on the debate, but I guess it's uh, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. I think that's the lineup. I think the others have Pence? to drop. Is Pence on it, Larry? Oh, I'm sorry. Mike Pence. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I think there's six, isn't there? I think One, so. One, two, three, four, five, six. I think that's right. So, all right, Liz. You dip your toe into the water. What are you looking for? What's going to happen here? They're going to kill each other. They're going to kill Trump. Are they, anyone going to talk about Bidenomics, immigration? I mean, what are they going to do? Well, hopefully, since it's being hosted by Fox Business, there will be talk about the economy and Bidenomics and what uh, the candidates would like to do, in, you know, rather than what uh, Joe Biden's doing. Uh, I, I think in terms of who they're going to beat up on, it is interesting that no one goes after Trump. I guess they all just view that as uh, toxic because he has such a very strong lead in most of these primaries. Um, I thought that Nikki Haley did very well in the first round. I think she'll probably do well again because she's very well prepared. She's articulate and she's forceful. Uh, Ramaswamy certainly came to everyone's attention in that first debate 
uh, it'll be interesting to see how he positions himself this time. He's been very, he was very combative in that debate. And as you know, Larry, he is not like that really in person. He tends to be sunnier, more optimistic, et cetera. So I'm kind of hoping he displays more of that and less of the sort of, uh, I thought, sort of bumptious uh, antagonism towards all his rivals. But, you know, um, most importantly, I think at some point, someone's going to have to take on Trump. And obviously, Christie wants to do that, but nobody else really does. So um, I'm looking for that. And I'm also looking for answers on the border. They mm. need it, Republicans need to get out there and tell Americans that we're going to fix this border problem. And here's how uh, it's the time for that. And even though it's not purely economic, it does have economic uh, repercussions. Monica, is can any of them break out and really challenge Trump at this point? I think it's very late in the game for any of them to, to have any chance of doing that. I mean, obviously, for the last year or so, a lot of people put their time, their resources, their money behind Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis as the most obvious possibility to take on Donald Trump and really challenge him. Um, in terms of poll numbers and, and debate on policy, and yet Governor DeSantis has really not. He, he's proven to be a disappoint, disappointment, I think, to a lot of uh, primary voters who wanted to like him, maybe wanted to, to look at him, to support him as an alternative to Trump, and he just didn't deliver um, in terms of a very effective campaign. Now, again, 24 hours in politics, can be a lifetime, so things can change. But when it comes to Trump, he is so dominant. Um, most of these polls show him leading his nearest competitor by 40, 50. Some polls have him up by 60 points. So I, I do think that the Republican base, which is a MAGA base, it's an America first base now, it's a populist base, they cannot wait to get out of their homes and vote for Donald Trump again. And, you know, one of the big things that Donald Trump has, and he's, he's really had it since 2015 when he first came on the political scene, which no other candidate has, is an emotional bond mm. with the voters. And not just Republican voters, but disaffected Democrats, independent voters. It's an emotional bond. It's not a political one. It's not one based on policy, even though he delivered a phenomenal presidency in every direction. But it's not intellectual or political. It's an emotional bond. And that is, number one, unbreakable. And number two, insurmountable for any other candidate to overcome. And with all these indictments, it's just locked that in. You know, people will like that. They will march forward for Donald Trump. And that's something I don't think any other candidate can overcome. Now, the point of these debates then without Trump is for all of these other Republican candidates to either position themselves as a potential running mate for Donald Trump or uh, a cabinet mm. position or, mm. you know, if something unforeseen happens and say Donald Trump goes to prison, now you need an alternative. Mm. And, and I think voters would take a look at this field. Mm. So the debates are certainly worthwhile in, in terms of policy positions, having them aired out. And also having these individuals introduce themselves. Just, to just wanted to come back, though, to a point Liz made. You know, the immigration catastrophe, I mean, the numbers came out Friday night, the yeah. uh, 2.4 million now. Uh, in total, he's well over, Biden's well over 7 million 
uh, illegals. You know, Liz, I don't I don't know what the questions are going to be like, but in some sense, that's the hottest issue right now is the immigration issue. No question. And I think it's one where Biden is a complete loser. Uh, and I, you know, again, it does have economic repercussions. Obviously, a lot of cities around the country are really struggling to meet the needs of all these migrants and, and be able to pay for that. But also, Larry, at some point, people need to be pointing out to lower income Americans, many of whom vote Democrat, that their hourly wages are under attack. Yes. I mean, in New yes. York City, it's visible. Yes. People are going out and taking yes. jobs. That's going to happen nationwide. The no, second thing point. that clearly I, I is. Gotta, I got yeah, to yeah, jump go ahead. off. I'm yeah. awful sorry, but I agree with what the points are, and I hope that comes up. Anyway, thank you, kids. Liz Peek and Monica Crowley, many, many thanks. Folks, I'm Kudlow. We'll be back next weekend. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.